Hello, climate change. <laughs> That's my tone for this episode. You're still here. <laughs> so, like you're talking to a, a relative you don't really want to see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it's sort of like a relative who gives you lots of presents, but, you know, has kind of bad ethics or something for how he got the money because i've been enjoying the warm weather it's no middle and or it's november and we've been having we had a week with like i don't know at least three days around 70 i was on a bike ride yesterday in my shorts right yeah so i mean that doesn't usually happen at this time of year no it's kind of nice uh so actually that makes me think of something you were telling me just a couple oh by the way i'm amy callisher I'm sitting here with my husband, Jim McPherson. I, I always forget to do that part. Hi, Jim. Hi, Amy. Let me back up from what I was about to say and say something else, which is that I actually hesitate to count to to record with you because I feel like I should be recording with lots of other people. But it hit me today. If I recorded 100 conversations with you, there would be a lot to be gained from that. I mean, I still want to record with other people, obviously. And I know you don't, you're making a face like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, yeah, a hundred would be a lot. Right. But anyway, the point is, there's nothing wrong with these episodes. They're not filler episodes. They're, they're me and my partner in life contemplating this big thing and, and that's going on. Well, it would be interesting to, like, at the end of this, listen back to the first couple that we did together. Right. And see the difference in yeah. how things oh, yeah. sound. Definitely. Well, the sound quality will be better because we've got better mics and stuff. Right. But just before we started recording, you mentioned an article that you just read in the New York Times about tying all these weather sort of aberrations to climate change and what, what you know, how to do that or how not to do that or why that's a question. And... Uh, from I'm just I don't really it doesn't feel that important to me like you know it's just sort of we know the overall trend it's sort of like following the stock market like you know the the thing that happened one day and then it's changed the next day it's sort of who cares it's the overall trend right well I think one of the points in this article was that the 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 magnitude of the trend is constantly unfolding and in different ways okay and in ways that could pretty dramatically affect different people depending on where they live i see like this article was focusing in on the pacific and how how much above the norm the the temperatures are running and they they talk about this most recent storm that was off the pacific coast of mexico and how rapidly it blew up into this like historically big, powerful storm. And it it happened over the span of like less than 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And that was unprecedented. And the, I think the point was we could be in, in store. I mean, a lot of those kinds of storms could be in store for us. I see. So it's less about saying, is this particular thing because of climate change or not, than it is about uh, so that we can determine whether or not climate change is, is is real or having a big effect. It's more about if this is because of climate change, then it will we'll be looking at it happening again. That's why those questions are being asked. Well, I think it's that. And I think, you know, the whole 
scientific world is based on theory, based on data that you collect. And there's a certain theory about how things are going to unfold with climate change. And so this is more like feedback. Okay, are we on track with this theory? Are Uh things happening quicker than we even thought they would? You know, like, are the the poles going to (laughs) melt 50% quicker than we thought? Mm -hmm. And that has real impact on the world. So I, I I look at it more like that. I think when you hear it in the news, or when I hear it in the news, and I don't think I'm alone in this, you know, you hear like, oh, the 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 sea ice off of uh, Greenland or whatever. I, you know, this is I don't know, I'm sure this is accurate, but just for an example, um, it's always you, you know, there's always so much, and now there's none this year, and and they don't know whether or not that's because of climate change or just kind of some abnormality in the way the the sea temperature was in that area for that time. And I think like, why are we questioning climate change as being the cause? Because obviously climate change is the cause of, of, I I don't get that. And now, now I'm seeing that the, the mentality that's maybe continuing to pose that question might not be so much about, still questioning the reality of climate change as it is about saying, what does this indicate for the future in terms of how quickly these kind of things become bigger issues and bigger issues? And I mean, this article does talk about the fact that there are other contributing factors. Right. It's, you know, and that's always been the theory. I don't think any of the scientists have said, Everything that, uh, that that we can point to that means the climate is changing is because of man-made, oh. you know, man-made uh, pollution. It's always about there's a certain natural system that's at play here, and then and then how much is that system being altered or accelerated by our own input? Yeah, there's some there's some still some piece of me that's like, who cares? Let's just address it, you know. Well, just saying, I'm not. I'm not arguing against you. Yeah, but. I know. Scientists don't think like that. They want to try to pull it apart. Yeah, stupid scientists. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this episode, I had a couple of thoughts for it. We kind of just jumped into one thing, but one is sort of checking in about what we've been hearing in the news and um, and what how that impacts. Um, the story that's unfolding around climate change, um, where where our attention is is going because of these changes of policy, et cetera. Um, where's the front lines of climate change action now? Um, and also checking in with you, my husband, about where we're at. Um, you know, with the process of for me, with the process of making this podcast and where it's taking me, and, and in general in our lives. So. The first thing that comes to mind is uh, the president decided to say no to the Keystone XL pipeline, which has been for 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 serious activists a long time coming, um, but really, really a relief. But at the same time, going forward with the Trans-Pacific Partnership um, fast track and trying to pass this deal that, that basically gives corporations more power um to fight <laughs> basically gives them more power to fight against um people looking out for workers and maybe you know they they basically can sue on a world stage in a way if this if this goes through um if they're being interfered with in terms of their ability to make profit 
you know that it's I don't know enough about it, but but anyway, those two things sort of are standing side by side in my mind um, as one thing going in the right direction and one thing coming to a head. <clears throat> you have any thoughts about either one? Well, the one, yeah, the um, the XL pipeline. It's it's interesting because it, as I understand it, there's the companies that that create the tar sands oil mm-hmm. um, have really been pushing less for the pipeline more recently, and in part because the price of gas is so cheap, the price of oil is so cheap. So there's there's less of an incentive to cre- in, increase production when the price. I mean, they're just not going to make that much money off of it. Um, but that'll you know I'm sure that'll turn at some point, and they'll. I just I have a hard time believing that they're going to give up this industry, mm-hmm. you know, making oil out of this tar sands material. Um, so I'm while it's a it's a momentary victory. I'm not quite so optimistic about the long term mm-hmm. trend for this particular kind of energy. Um, I did hear a little bit of Bill McKibben in an interview after the announcement, and it was interesting, his, um, his take on it, you know, as somebody who knows this, this, this stuff better than just about anybody, um, he was sort of guardedly optimistic. You know, he was saying, it's a great thing that we won one, you know, um, and it's important that we keep fighting these battles. Um, he, but he also said, you know, it may be too late to really turn this curve completely around, but we can make it less bad. Yeah. You know, and, and to hear him put it in those terms was actually helpful for me. You know, somebody who's, who's, you know, said a number of 350 that we've since blown through. Right. <laughs> um, and to still be relatively optimistic and hopeful and have a somewhat positive attitude, you know, guarded as it may be, mm-hmm. was actually helpful for me to hear. It was mm-hmm. like, if he can be that way, then the rest of us really don't have an excuse to be, <laughs> you know, we shouldn't be, you know, down and out and we're all screwed mm-hmm. kind of attitude. I've read something the other day that really resonated and I really want to spend some time with this idea. And the thought was that hope is a discipline rather than hope is something that you have or oh. you don't have. Um, or that is correct or incorrect. And I really liked that thought. I liked that idea that um, that you actually have to work on it. You have to cultivate it. You have to look for it. And, and I felt like that makes a lot of sense because um, discouragement is such an enemy to any kind of progress. Mm. And... Um, you know, you, you can sit by, uh, you know, trying to convince yourself or be convinced of reasons to engage and try to make things better if you don't have any hope. But, you know, you somehow you have to, you have to disengage yourself in, in building those muscles in a sense. Mm. And I really like that. I like that a lot. And then there's also, um, I want to say Rossling. Hans Rosling, uh, something like that. Anyway, he says that he's not an optimist or a pessimist. He's a possibilist. Mm, and he's right, I remember hearing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's another way of sort of thinking about like what what's possible and go uh-huh. from there. This is such a, a big issue that you can kind of get caught. And I think maybe this is why I, I get frustrated with the dialogue around this weather trend or that weather trend being 
because of global warming or because of climate change or because of man-made or whatever, like how much can be attributed to that or not. Like it sort of feels like, look, we get it that this is a real issue, that, that, that humans are impacting the climate and in very me- big and okay measurable ways. Um, and some people can get caught up in the measuring, but we already know what we need to know to take action. We know that this is happening and we know that it's destructive. So I don't want to put my mind there anymore. I don't want to put my mind on like, I can understand that fear might drive me there because it is pretty scary if you start to like look at all the little things that are happening and, 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 and there, there are a lot of them um, that even that aren't directly related to climate change, but are about the environment. Like what you know? How um, were you talking to me about this? The 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 farmlands in the in the in the Great Plains, I think it is, where they're sucking all this water out and to grow grain. Were you telling me about this? Yeah, what's well, one talk of the, about it? Okay, so I, it was a story on NPR that I heard, and it was one of those where the radio's on in the background and you're doing something, and then all of a sudden you stop because it sounds kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. So I may have gotten some of the details a little bit wrong. But um, as I understand it, the story was about um, a Persian Gulf state might have been Saudi Arabia or the United Arab Emirates. I don't remember which one. Um, Excuse me. So the story went that um, they have a dairy industry. It's relatively small, but it is a dairy industry. And over the last, like, 50 years or so, they had produced their own hay by growing alfalfa um, through massive amounts of irrigation. And they basically sucked all the water out (laughs) over time. But they were irrigating a a desert. A desert, essentially irrigating a desert. And so one of the companies that was growing um, this alfalfa has purchased land in large tracts of land in Arizona. Um, Very arid, again, desert kind of conditions, but they are going through the same thing. They're growing massive amounts of alfalfa and sucking the water out of the ground in Arizona to produce hay to be shipped back over to the Persian Gulf to be fed to cows (laughs) to make dairy products for people living in the desert. Right. And it just sort of blew my mind like, this is insane. (laughs) (laughs) And just thinking of, you know, just, well, the water issue is one of one of the considerations, obviously. But then the amount of energy going in to creating like a quart of yogurt. Yeah. Just is it it really is. it, It makes no sense. It's it's incredibly wasteful. It pollutes the environment. I mean, you can check off all the boxes of why this is a bad idea, but yet there is a financial incentive to do it. Right. And so they're doing it. Yeah. And apparently the state of Arizona, I mean, it's private land, so it's not like they can stop it. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were interviewing some of the ranchers who live nearby. And, you know, these were guys and these were guys who have been working hard to make a living as farmers and they were just sort of like well if you can turn a profit doing it then then okay you know they didn't have any major problem with it but they realized that it could be you know drawing down their their own water supply Mm -hmm. so that 
in conjunction with a movie that I watched, which I could talk about a little bit. Yeah, talk so about on it. Netflix, there's, you know, so it's a, it's available other places. It's a, well. Yeah, it's probably available lots of other places. Um, the movie is it's a documentary called Cowspiracy, and when I f- saw the title, I was like, oh, why do you have to call it that? <laughs> but it got my attention, so I guess it worked. <laughs> I was gonna say, and it's a terrible pun. That's a little cheesy. <laughs> And forgive me, please, for saying that out loud. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. And as I started watching it, it took me a couple goes at it to yeah. actually sit down to watch the yeah. rest of it because mm-hmm. it just, you know. Well, the tone of it is really uh, sort of sensational. It's It's yeah. got a sensational tone to it. And, yeah. you know, this is this is a documentary style that has been done a lot mm-hmm. now. You know, yeah. Michael Moore sort of broke ground with it where you, you know, you interview a company executive and you... Like you badger them until they... Well, yeah, you, you, you know, you sort of attack them with right. provocative questions and you you catch them trying to take the microphone off and walk off stage and it's, you know, it's all drama. that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's drama, yeah. But the basic thrust of it is that we are not even talking about the impact that animal food production has on climate change. And they threw out one statistic that I have not confirmed yet, mm-hmm. but uh, based on these sources, and you know they flash them on the screen of where they get the information from, um, about half of the human human cause of climate change is because of our animal production. Right, and that's system. because of partly, be, uh, in large part, because of the methane produced from the animal waste. It's the methane. It's, it's all of the. Uh, fuel that's burned in um, shipping of the products and the just the whole the whole system. But mm-hmm. yeah, methane is a big part of it, and you know it's a it's a much more intense um, greenhouse gas mm-hmm. than carbon right. is. So the basic thrust of the movie is: if you really want to do something on a personal level, you, what you should do is to go vegan. Yeah. To just stop eating animals and and their and byproducts, the, right. and you know it it had a, an effect similar to me than uh, to the effect I had when I read I believe the name of it is Diet for a New America, mm-hmm. the book the, by John, John Robbins. Robbins yeah. I read it back in the late eighties. Right, me too. And it just really changed me. Mm-hmm. And I and I stopped eating meat. I stopped eating dairy. And right. I was vegan for years. Yeah. Let me just interrupt to just recommend that book. Um, John Robbins is the son of the the Baskin and Robbins Robbins. Um, so he grew up with lots of ice cream around <laughs> and lots of junk food. And, and eventually, I guess he f- just felt physically bad and did some experiments with his diet and did some research and started to figure out how how we've been sold kind of um, a lot of propaganda about what is healthy eating from the USDA, which is the governmental organization that's in charge of two very conflict of interest, um, different pursuits in the, for the government. One of them being nutrition and health education and information for the country, and also the promotion and sales of agricultural products, particularly meat, dairy, eggs, yeah. So when those two things turn out to be at odds with each other, that eating lots of meat, dairy, and eggs actually is not what makes us healthy, they can't really give you the the, the accurate um, 
nutritional information because it's at odds with their other mission. So he kind of was on the leading, sort of the forefront of exposing that. And and over the years, the nutritional guidelines have changed. There's, many would argue they haven't changed enough, but they've changed closer to what our current understanding of healthy diet is. Um, so his book was his sort of personal journey and also um, a lot of research and and was mind-blowing at the time. I mean, I, I think we all kind of had an idea of the direction that health really required us to go in with our eating, but we didn't see how we had been brainwashed. And and at the t- you know that the I mean we grew up I did and probably you did too with so much pressure around the idea of getting enough protein. Yeah. There was it was <laughs> such a big thing that 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 our parents worried about for us as kids and and that people worried about in terms of well what if you're a vegetarian how do you get enough protein and there was there was um you know that that really came out of the USDA <laughs> the idea that you need protein that meat is what makes you healthy right. so anyway go on going on i wanted to i just wanted to recommend the book diet mm-hmm. for a new america yeah so so since watching the rest of that movie i you know i sort of tried to let the more i don't know sensational parts of the production of the movie mm-hmm. pass one ear and out the other yeah. and then focused in on the actual message and whether the numbers are exactly accurate about the contribution to climate change from animals, I don't know. But I, I think it's undeniable that it's a significant impact, mm-hmm. that our our desire to eat meat and eat animal products is really bad for the planet. Mm-hmm. And I just started, you know, this last week or so, I really just was much more conscious about the amount of animal products I put into my body. And I mm-hmm. really tried to avoid them, um, avoid them. It sounds like I'm having to fend them off. <laughs> <laughs> when, I saw, when I saw them coming down the street, I jumped into an alleyway, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Fending off drumsticks. <laughs> <laughs> the chickens, you can't catch me, damn you. Uh. Um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I've just been, uh, you know, I ate very, very little right. meat or, or any kind of animal products this week. And I, and I felt good. Yeah. I have to say, I, my, I felt like my body responded well to that. Right. So I, you know, I don't know that I'm going to be able to go full vegan mm-hmm. as I did in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like I want what I put into my body to be much more in line with that right. than this kind of insane typical american yeah. diet which is actually really bad for you well i have my my thoughts are going in three different directions let's see if i can keep track of all three the first one the the most immediate one just for you and me is that we should have some more conversations about food because um i you know when we first met you and i had both been vegetarians for a long time and had both stopped being vegetarians and um and you know we could go back to it but but I, I wouldn't want it to be, I don't want to get into a lot of processed foods. And that ends up being sort of your go-to, like the veggie burger or whatever. So we should talk about what we can, like, learn some things about what we can make and the satisfy the, the, the protein craving. Um, the second thing is, <clears throat> um, it's, it is a direction that we've gone in pretty regularly when you and I talk about these topics about climate change is how we change personally. And, you know, I keep coming back to 
the the changes that need to happen have to ch- happen on a on a large scale. That doesn't mean that we don't make the personal changes, but those are the easy changes in a way. Um, um, so I don't want to lose track of of that other thread. Um, but I will say that I find the food questions about about caring for. I mean, this is really really fundamental. Um, how do we get our our sustenance off of the earth um, and not destroy the earth in the process? That is the fundamental question. And um, the th- exciting part when you look at the food picture is that the ways that we take care of the earth and and are conservative in our practices about getting food um, are actually better for our bodies, which is sort of I find to be encouraging and I believe to be emblematic of other changes that we could be making in our life way the way we live in the world that would make our lives healthier and of higher quality um some of those changes are going to be super hard to make because we've got so much infrastructure around a lifestyle that depends on oil but that's Mm -hmm. something else we'll talk about another time the third piece the third piece was when you first told me about watching this documentary and how it got you thinking about how you eat. My reaction, I mean, all I had those other parts of the reaction, but I also felt like, yeah, but what difference is it going to make for one person? And I know that's the way it is with all kinds of grassroots movements is that it has to be a lot of one, one individuals um, that, that create a trend and a change. But But I still was on it. I was still feeling like, how much, I mean, how even the amount of effort that you could put into building sort of a coalition of, of vegans, um, you know, how much is that going to change the amount of production that's going on? How I mean, they're, they're not going to say, oh, gosh, there's less people eating meat. Let's not grow quite so much alfalfa. Like that kind of change is going to happen quite slowly, I think. But I asked you that at the time. Do you remember what you said? I don't remember what you said. I don't think you, and maybe you don't have to I, answer to it. Yeah. I mean, it's this, I think it's the the same answer, no matter what the question is. Yeah. You know, like, does it really matter to, for one, one person, person to do X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z? And, and on the big picture, no, it doesn't matter that much for one person, but for that one person, for them to live more in line mm-hmm. with their values and what they what they think is a right way to live mm-hmm. that doesn't harm the planet is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And to have that sense of I'm, I'm living, I'm living in line with what I believe can lead you in other directions too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can, it can lead you to connect with other people that are like-minded and maybe create something bigger. Mm. Yeah. And just to talk about it right. with other people makes a difference. Yeah. So it's really a change for you more than anything. Well, I think, you know, the point that that the movie makes, and again, it's a little bit over the top Mm -hmm. at times, maybe, um, but they talk about how dramatic the impact could be. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could say the same thing if we all stopped driving cars today, but that's not realistic. I mean, it is realistic that people could actually stop eating animal products or at least cut back on them significantly. Right. 
Yeah, that's something you could do. You could, Whereas it's you actually, couldn't right. not drive if you're depending on your income and there's no other way to get to right. work. Right. And because <laughs> one of the byproducts of the whole animal production system is methane, yeah. and if I understand the science they were talking about, methane is a much more toxic greenhouse gas than even carbon. Mm. And animal production puts a lot of methane out. Mm-hmm. And as I understand it, methane actually dissipates quicker Mm-hmm. than carbon. It doesn't linger up there for, for you know, decades and decades and decades. So if we stop putting meth, as much methane into the, the atmosphere, the methane level will drop pretty or quickly. The carb, the... The methane level. Oh, okay. I see. All right. Because it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't stay up in the atmosphere for as long as, as carbon does. Mm-hmm. So the chance, so the actual quickness that you could affect some change is greater I'm not questioning that the documentary said this, but I feel like I've also heard that methane sticks around. So, uh, I don't well, know. yeah. So that would be important to figure. Yeah, out. that would be important <laughs> to know. But I definitely have heard that methane. I don't know what 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 exactly you mean by it being more toxic, but I've definitely heard that it it actually traps more heat. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's a more effective mm-hmm. greenhouse gas. Uh, if you're if, if you're, you're on wanting, the side, if you're of... wanting to heat things up, <laughs> methane is the way to go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we talk about? So one of the things that I wanted to ask you was just how is this podcast thing going for you? Oh, thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is going well. I I will I have a lot of thoughts about it. Um I I I started it while it was still summer, didn't I? It was still summer, and then yeah. and then I started teaching this semester, and so my and then I my clients started coming out of the woodwork, and so I've, the point is I've gotten busier, and um, recording them is not that time consuming. It takes as long as having the conversation, but then I've gotten more persnickety about the editing process. Like my first thought when I was going to do this was that I'm just going to be unedited. I'm just going to slap them up on the internet, but it's actually been good to edit a little bit. I mean, just editing out a lot of the ums and the uhs and the pauses. There's not really like, I'm not really trying to change meaning or anything like that. So that's time consuming. And then also pursuit of people to, to find time that people can record with me. If I had more time, I would just go to people. I would take my equipment and lug it in their house and, you know, be a a little simpler. And I do do some of that. Um, and I will do more of that. Um, and, but it's also a matter of like figuring out who do I have access to and who would I like to have a conversation with? It's not just what do they know? It's also about what kind of quality of conversation are they capable of? Um, so sometimes a, a person might know a lot of information but have not much interest in exploring where where the cutting edge for them personally in taking on this issue is. Or they may know a lot, but they may have so little hope in, in, that they can't engage in constructive action, maybe protest is as far as they can get. So... Um, so those are those are considerations that I have when I when I seek out people for conversations. However, on the other hand, I've been toying with the idea of having conversations with people who, you know, maybe even don't really think it's a big problem or, or you know, have other areas of expertise that they don't really think about climate change, but they know a lot about um, some other health crisis that in my mind actually you know, is, is relevant, but they haven't made the connection. So, so I'm, I'm kind of about to launch my second round of, 
um, my second big round of seeking out people. Um, so that, that should be interesting. It, it has meant a lot to me when I hear from somebody that they value this. It, I mean, I actually had a student the other day tell me that she listened to one of our, I told you this, had mm-hmm. a, a, one of our conversations, you and me, and, and really liked it and wants to hear more. And it's like, that actually made me feel like I could record another one with you, even though it hasn't been that long since you and I recorded one, because they're, they're useful to people and they're interesting <laughs> and they're enjoyable to have in the background while they're doing other things. So mm. it's like, okay, so this actually is a value. Somebody else um, posted like uh, an article that was like nine great podcasts. And then they said, Oh, these, I, I like a lot of these. Um, this is on Facebook. I like a lot of these. Plus, they named some major ones from NPR, and it's like, what was it like, uh, on point or <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Democracy Now, yeah. which is not NPR, but and Hello Climate Change is like, what you're putting me in that company? That's so cool. <laughs> so those little moments are are nice. Um, I don't do a lot of publicity for this. You know, I I post it on all my social media whenever I put a new episode up. But I'm not paying for advertising. I'm not, you know, making any big campaigns around this. Um, so I really depend on word of mouth. So if you're liking this, please pass it along. I'm not ever going to be trying to make money off of this. I've invested money into this, in fact, because I bought some equipment to do it and I invest my time. Um, <clears throat> but um, it's not really about that for me. I'm not looking to get publicity for the sake of me. It's just because I think these conversations have value for people to hear. And if if you agree, that's, you know, if you're listening, please help let people know. Um, is there anything else that I want to say about that? Nothing comes to mind. It feels like I'll think of something later. Do you have another question for me? No. You have to say no. No. <laughs> Shaking your head. <laughs> Doesn't work on the radio. Okay. Um what else? Anything else relevant in the news? Seems like we had so many things to talk about recently. Covered a lot of them. Oh, I know what I wanted to say because COP21 is coming up, the big conference um, at the United Nations um, in Paris this month, end of this month, beginning of next, so November and December. I find myself thinking, okay. The world needs to put pressure on our freaking country to not pass that TPP. Just It just gives too much power to the corporations. And basically, the corporations are not on the side of, of um, addressing climate change. So to me, that feels like I'd like to see that, that happen on some level. I don't know where it fits into the agenda for that conference, but... It just feels like that's what our country needs to do to step up, is to let it go. And there's only five. They passed the fast track, and uh, there was five by five votes. So if they can turn, assuming that the, all of those people who wanted to fast track this legislation um, want the legislation, um, then um, we basically need to turn five votes. Um so for it to not go through. So, and that's going to happen in the spring, supposedly. So there's time for that, for that, but it, but it, you know, for, for that kind of activism to happen, for people to get, get in touch with their Congress people and put some pressure there. But they finally released the whole details and there's a lot of analysis. Have you heard any of that? 
Well, I'm I haven't really followed it that closely mm-hmm. and I've I've not been I've not been alarmed to be honest mm-hmm. with the whole notion of this deal. Really? Cuz it's been it's it's the latest in a series of international trade agreements with which are, have a lot of similarities from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. And in fact, this one they they apparently tried to get in more um, protections for labor and environment than in some of the others. So I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's almost like a, in my mind, it's, it, it's somewhat of a separate discussion. Hmm. I mean, you can't necessarily separate out the economies from the impact on the climate, but I don't, I don't know that this is going to cutting this, like if somehow this got sabotaged, that it's going to dramatically improve things in in the realm of climate or... No, I don't think so either. In, well, I don't think it'll dramatically I don't think it's improve. going to necessarily knock down the power of corporations. No, it won't do that either, but it will not expand <clears throat> them. <laughs> the, 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 the TPP expands their power. Anyway, there's a lot to it, but I, and I'm not an expert, so I won't go any further with it. But I, I think in general, anything that empowers the little guy is on the side of climate change. And I, that's a huge generalization. And there are probably, you know, ways in which you could poke holes in that. But, um, but that's my, that's my point of view mm-hmm. in general. I, I actually feel like there's a lot of little hopeful things going on besides the keystone being the pipeline being, Oh, there was, um, for instance, like Shell Oil was going to do more exploratory fracking in, in the tar sands of Alberta, and they, they pulled back because they, they were concerned. Site, the reason that they said was because they weren't sure that there'd be enough ways to transport what, what they could produce out of there because of the, the pipeline. I thought that was in the Arctic. They were going to no, drill in the Arctic. They were going to drill in the Arctic, but there was also they were going to do more in the tar sands. Oh, there. okay, I didn't um, hear that. So that's that's to me that's encouraging. There's just little places where you see people who have this perspective that that there's a relationship between global warming issues, climate change issues, and social justice issues. Um, and for me, that feels good to see more and more people in power speaking to that. I saw a talk by a Maori, um, I don't know what the government structure is, but sort of like in their parliament of New Zealand, I think it was, mm. new new member of that parliament talk, giving her, her what they call their maiden speech when they're first, first elected, and, and basically talking about that and talking about... Um, her relationship with her grandmother. So there's like this sort of like gaining knowledge from the older women sort of as, as, I mean, there's just something about the whole speech was really amazing. I will, I will link that and I will link to the Tony Robbins book, Tony Robbins, not Tony Robbins, (laughs) Tony Robbins. I'm sure he has a book too. In fact, I know he does. Yeah. So hellocc.info is the webcast for this uh, website for this podcast. Um, you can get it on iTunes, et cetera, as well. Tell all your friends. Anything else you want to say? No, I think okay. that's it. All right. Thank you for doing this with me. Yeah. All right. Enjoyed it. Thanks. Bye. Bye, everybody. 